Podcast listeners, this is part two of Malcolm Hawker, head of data strategy at Prophecy. Again, a lot of information on master data management, data governance. We often don't dive into those two concepts, so we had to do it two sessions. Hope you listened to the last one. Here's the second part. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. What does it mean to be the head of data strategy for Prophecy? What a great question. Um, I was hired into this role to be an MDM evangelist, right? An MDM and governance and and evangelist in the data management space. Mm -hmm. We strongly believe that in the MDM and data management space, a rising tide will lift all boats. Meaning, if we bring awareness to the value of MDM, Right. If we if we share best practices around data governance, if we share best practices around da- how to you know, build a data strategy, if we help leaders in the space, or if I particularly help leaders in the space address some of these very very difficult challenges, that if I'm viewed as a trusted advisor in the space, which I, I think I am, given my history and my, my tenure and my knowledge, mm-hmm. then they're more likely to want to partner with us. Right. And, and, and we know we know that upwards of three quarters of all B2B, uh, you know, software buying decisions are heavily influenced by things like social media and areas like LinkedIn and podcasts just like this. Yeah. Right. Where so much of the buying decision now happens outside of traditional sales channels. Right. That's where we're trying to be. We're trying to influence um, you know, people, get them aware of MDM, you know, why they should care about MDM. Uh, and build their awareness and, and view us as, and view me as a trusted advisor in the space. So that's what it means to be the head of data strategy for Prophecy. Now, you know, I've done a little bit of research here and I could have sworn that your vision around MDM is make it easy, make it accurate, make it scale. Yep. Does that sound right? Bingo. How are you making it easy? How are you making it accurate? And how are you scaling? <laughs> Holding my feet to the fire on our sales no, pitch. It's, it's, it's your sales pitch, not mine. Yeah. Yeah, and is well, it a platform? I want to, as part B on that, is, yeah. is it a, you see it as a platform or what? Uh, yes, but we're not trying to be a data management platform. So Prophecy is not trying to be an IBM, okay. right? You, you, you guys have every piece part of the data management wheel sitting around a, a rock solid core of, of, of AI and ML around Watson. So we're not trying to be you. We're trying to occupy a very narrow space, which is MDM, which is hard, right? It's a difficult challenge for a lot of companies. Uh, but making it easy is like have interfaces that are easy to use, right? Make it easy to implement, right? Don't take eight to nine months, which is what Gartner would say is the average implementation time of an MDM. Don't take nine months to get the software up and running, right? Uh, make it scalable. Uh, be in the cloud. Be a SaaS solution. Gets back to, to to making it easy to use, right? So show value to 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 your your core stakeholders. So we we are about um, trying to make and trying to simplify uh, the process of MDM because we know that historically. The biggest knocks against MDM have been it's too complex, right? It's too risky. It's too expensive. We most certainly, uh, the average prices you'll see have been coming down year over year over year on all MDM providers. And, and we are most certainly one of the more price competitive in the space. Mm-hmm. So we are trying to address some of the core concerns that have historically plagued MDM. And I would argue have held it back. So this is the kind of the, the, the area where we're playing. 
you know, our, our sweet spots tends to be, um, you know, midsize companies that are relatively new to MDM that are just building their competencies around MDM and around data governance, uh, but still can see a ton of value from, from implementing uh, solutions like ours. So did you talk to Accurate though and scale in that? Oh, well, yes, Accurate is, my, my apologies. I even, no, I even no, skipped no, that. I skipped, I, I, I'm a terrible I host. I do multi-part questions. <laughs> no, I, it's, I, I love it. As a matter of fact, I, I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago from a, uh, an industry event in Boston. It's called the CDOIQ. Mm -hmm. Where I talked to that podcast, one of the things that I love to do when I'm at industry events uh, or conferences is on the exhibit hall, go to all of the exhibitors and ask them what their elevator pitch is. Right? Pitch, pitch me. I, that's usually one thing I ask in this podcast as well. You got two right. minutes, pitch it to me. Yeah, exactly. Like, like sell me now and, you got, and you've got two minutes, right? And, and so many cannot. But and the, the accurate speaks to data quality, right? So are, are we a enterprise class data quality solution? Yes, insofar as your goal is MDM. There are separate data quality solutions that are robust and all they do is data quality. We address the data quality components of the master data, of the middle of that Venn diagram, right? So how do I make data accurate? I implement some very basic business rules that address the consistency, the uniformity, right? The, 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 the definitions, the, 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 the um, fit for purpose, the timeliness, so all of the kind of the classic definitions of data quality can be managed in our solution. And in a way, through interfaces that are easy to use that don't require a PhD to configure. What is real and what is hype? <laughs> you mentioned hype. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna ask that question. Oh, in, 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 well, that's a pretty general question. Uh, we, we can talk about specific areas and specific segments and, and sectors, but hype, it, 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 the answer there is rather complex, but I'll, I'll, I'll answer it this way. Um, if your business is insight, if, if your core business and your product is insight, then you are motivated to create change and you're, you're motivated to create excitement within market sectors that generate demand for your product. Right. Right. So, so, so hype could be vendor generated. It could be analyst generated. It could be individual generated. Um, I've worked for multiple software vendors where their core, their core thing is trying to generate hype. Right. Cause, cause frankly, a lot of the things that we do in the data management space, you know, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say are always static and are never changing, but a lot of the core fundamentals here are relatively static. Right, like good data management practices, some of the some of the fundamentals there have, have not really changed that much. Right, um, we like to put new spin on things to create hype and to create excitement around products because we need to in order to differentiate them. Right, well, just exactly why I mentioned like everybody likes to talk about AI. It's kind of exciting insights, etc. But the foundation is what matters, which well, is what we're talking about today. Well, well, right. I mean, there's there's don't get me wrong. Data Fabric is, is, is super hyped right now. There's value there. And I believe in the Data Fabric. I absolutely do. And if I was a CDO, I would be, have a strategy that included moving that direction, without a doubt. 
is there over is there too much hype in there right now? Yes, absolutely. Because because we're, we're years and years away from it being mainstream, right? Uh, AI, ML, is there a lot of hype there? Most certainly there is. Will it ever replace? In, in the case of, of, let's take an MDM use case, will it ever fully replace human beings? Of course it won't. Of course it won't. Can it augment? Maybe even, maybe even automate 60 to 80% of some of the rote tasks of data management? Yep, absolutely. It's never going to get away from, you're never going to automate the 10 to 20% that requires human oversight, that requires human brains. So there's a lot of hype out there and a lot of the vendors are doing it. Some of the analysts are doing it. Because to create differentiation, you know, on products that are relatively mature, right, um, that have reached a, some form of maturity, and I would argue, well, Gartner would tell you that, that MDM is close, it's close to what they call their plateau of productivity. There's plenty of other solutions out there that are that are relatively mature. To, to, to create the, the hype there and to, and to be reborn, <laughs> as it were, for some of these solutions, you need to create a new thing and create a lot of hype around it. Let's talk prophecy for just a second. Yeah. What's your differentiator in all that we've talked about? Kind of summarizing here, what's the differentiator with prophecy? Well, we just touched on that, right? Uh, make it accurate, make it simple, make it scale. Yep. Uh, what 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 is inferred uh, there? And but, what but I the touched- only issue with that is, I mean, just to sorry to interrupt, but I mean, a lot of people could say that. What are you guys doing differently that really puts the uh, pen to paper, whatever you want to call it, that really says, here's how we're doing it. Yeah. So there's a, there's a few things. One is a relentless focus on business value. So as a part of our sales process, we strongly urge, obviously it's not required, but as a part of our sales process and our salespeople are trained on this thing uh, we call a beer, a business insight uh, report, which is basically working with our clients to come up with a, a, a business case for MDM, right? So, so often, what we see over and over and over again is MDM programs failing and MDM programs not delivering value because data leaders do not take the time to understand the connection between improvements in data, particularly master data and business outcomes. I would ask this all the time when I was a Gartner analyst, I would say, hey, how will you know you've succeeded? Right? What, what are your metrics of success? Well, our data will be better. Spoiler alert, nobody cares about that because if, if they did, you wouldn't be in the situation that you're in. Right. And having a metric of better data uh, is going to make it really, really tough for you to demand more budget next year, because you're going to be asked the question of how many dollars did you drive? How many dollars did you save or how much risk did you mitigate for the organization? If you can't say that, you're going to be in an awfully tough position if you want to scale that program. So we have this relentless focus on working with our clients to make sure both pre-sale and post-sale as a as a part of our post-sale support and account management functions um, that our clients are delivering true value in, in the solutions that we provide. Another area where we are different is we have a very, very, cover your ears, a very, very close relationship with Microsoft. Mm-hmm. So we have an, a, a, we can run in any cloud, um, but we have a, a solution for the Azure cloud uh, that integrates with Microsoft's data cataloging solution, their data governance solution, which is this thing called Purview. So if you deploy Prophecy into the Azure cloud, there can be data shared back and forth between uh, between Purview and between MDM, which can be very, very valuable. Meaning your, your catalog, you know, your, your MDM and your cataloging um, uh, software can be uh, integrated, which for a long, long time has been a massive challenge with a lot of companies. They would go buy a governance or a metadata management platform, and it would just kind of sit as its own silo and not actually talk to the, any of the other data management platforms. So you could say, okay, this is my MDM, but your catalog wouldn't even know 
what was master data and wasn't what wasn't master data. Or you could manage some data management governance policies in your catalog that would not be necessarily automatically reflected into your MDM. So that's another area where we are most certainly different is we have a, a native solution in the Azure space. Um, a, a third area, you know, I, I mentioned this is, is that we are very, very cost competitive. Uh, and, and we have a unique pricing model uh, in, in the Azure cloud where it is basically what you're paying, you bring your own cloud. All you're paying for is software, right? Where we have no pass, pass through kind of charges, cloud related hosting charges that we are marking up uh, uh, for you, meaning, meaning you know, you've, got, you've got your cloud infrastructure, all you need is an MDM solution, fantastic, you're good to go. Scale up your cloud as needed, scale it down as needed. Um, that's not going to be something that you, we build. It's something that, that you could build on your own through your relationship through your cloud provider. So a big focus on cloud, big focus on SaaS, uh, obviously the focus on Microsoft, a big focus on, on, on business value, um, and focus on those other things that I was talking about. Are you hybrid? Can you do SaaS and on-prem as well? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we haven't, we're, we're trying to get away from that. Most MDM providers are the on-prem models, uh, but there are still some clients out there that, that want it. Right. Um, how do you get away from that when, you know, still what, 70% are still on-prem today? To some degree, right? To, to, to some degree, right? They're, they're, they're you know, I, I, I mean, would... Usually that's why you got the hybrid approach. Uh, you, yeah, yeah. So I don't think I've encountered anybody that is still 70%, you know, across the board hard stop uh, on-prem, but they may be running, you know, some of their legacy, oh my gosh, banking insurance. Absolutely. We see this all the time. There's still some mainframes living out there in, in, in the banking insurance space. Percentages, don't you feel like you got to cover both sides yeah. in that case? Or do you? Yeah. But, but also, also acknowledging that we do tend to, not exclusively, but we do tend to play a little bit more in the mid-market space, um, where a lot of our clients have kind of been cloud native from day one. Uh, but it's certainly not the case. In right? we, are, we are heavily penetrated in financial services. And that's, that is one area where, where, yeah, they are still kind of in a longer term migration into the cloud. So yes, hybrid environments, absolutely. But you know, most of the time though, if you are running a hybrid environment, you're still gonna choose to put that MDM hub in the cloud because of the scalability and flexibility that provides, right? And particularly if you wanna throw a lot of data at it because flexibility around, you know, scalability around compute resource is just so much easier in the cloud. Where can folks reach you? Where can they reach you and where can they reach Prophecy? LinkedIn. So I am out there on LinkedIn, uh, Malcolm Hawker, H-A-W-K-E-R. There's not a lot of hawkers. Uh, and, there's, and there's, I believe there's only three Malcolm Hawkers on the planet. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn. And if you're searching for data-related topics, data management, MDM, chances are I may pop up because I'm extremely active there. Reach out to me through LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn. If you do want to engage in a sales discussion, I'm, I'm not your guy. I will happily pass you to, into our sales organization. But if you've got a question about data governance best practices, MDM best practices, how to build a data strategy, how to become a CDO, uh, those are questions that I was taking every day for three years as a Gartner analyst. And I will happily answer those questions now that I'm not and, 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 and have coffee with you and have a chat about all those things that, that are needed to improve data management in your organization. So find me on LinkedIn. And then Prophecy, just prophecy.com or? Yeah. Prophecy.com. Ab absolutely. In two minutes, how do you become a CDO? <laughs> I know there's two kind paths, of right? uh, it, it, uh, two paths, right? One, one come up through the business and another come up through the technology. And I, I think the last data that I looked at, it was about a 50-50 split, right? If you're on the business side, that's a good place to be. 
by Gartner's recent data in their CDO survey, they'll tell you that 25% of digital transformation initiatives are being led by CDOs. So if you've got an upbringing in, in on the business side, if you're maybe coming out of sales or coming out of product or maybe even on the finance side of the house, I think that could give you a solid leg up from some of the business-centric initiatives that CDOs are increasingly being tasked with. However, you would need to up your game from a technology perspective. See, you know, the top three roles of, of, of CDOs are, are defining a data strategy, managing a data and analytics function, and defining governance. Those are the top three roles of the CDO. And if you don't have a technology or IT background, you're going to be at a, at a fairly significant disadvantage in two of those three things, right? Managing a DNA function data, and, and defining governance. So you can most certainly up your game and you, you, there are resources up there, out there like me, uh, who can help you with, uh, you know, growing your knowledge in the data analytics space. You know, I think the, the secret sauce of CDOs is not functional or te technical capabilities. It's, it's really around some of the softer skills, right? If I were to build a, a CDO in a lab, um, <laughs> I, I would uh, have it be kind of half technology, half techno uh, business and half sales, right? And yes, that's three halves. <laughs> right. And, and what I mean by sales is selling, right? Being able to sell, being able to sit down with leaders in the organization and explain why you should care about data and analytics and what, what are the benefits of a better report? What are the benefits of data quality through the lens that business leaders care about? Because they don't care about data quality. They care about more revenue, less costs or less risk. So how do you, how do you find a way to articulate those things and tell a data story, Right. Um, I'm not a believer in data literacy uh, per se. Uh, I, I think I think that kind of the notion of data literacy is a little condescending, right? Uh, because the opposite of, of literate is illiterate. And I don't know a lot of people that take well to conversations where, you know, your first line is, hey, let me tell you what you don't know, right? Um, I, I would rather approach it through your perspective of help me explain to you the value that I can bring to you. And oh yeah, we use this thing called data and data management and data quality and MDM to do it. But let me tell you how I can help you. That's a far, far, far better conversation to be having at the C level than something like, Hey, I need to implement a program to kind of teach your, your people what they don't know about analytics. By the way, you may need to do that. <laughs> I just wouldn't lead with it. Right. You may need to do some form of data literacy program. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I wouldn't lead with it. I would lead with value, lead with storytelling. Uh, and those are the critical skills of CDOs. So if you can do that, if you can data storytell, if you know a little bit about technology, if you know a relatively decent amount about your business and how your business runs and business operations, and if you have a relatively strategic mind, you're in a good spot. You know, one thing I, I totally agree with you on is what customers really want. I always say four things, but it could be three. It's your same three, essentially. It's revenue, uh, market expansion, which is really a f part of revenue. I could yep. be, but cost and risk mitigation. Bingo. Everything else is for not. Exactly right. Yeah, and if and if you're if you're telling me, yeah, I've, I've, by the way, I learned this the hard way, right? I, I I've I've been sitting in a CFO office asking for a lot of money to buy software, where my business case was basically telling a story of how crappy our data was. Right. And I've got a CFO looking at me who says, we're a publicly traded company. I've, I've got Deloitte in here four times a year auditing our books. Right. I, I report revenue and customer numbers and product sales to the street every quarter. And I trust the data implicitly. 
I trust that data implicitly and I trust our auditors implicitly. And now you're telling me that our data is crap. Who am I supposed to believe? <laughs> that, was that, that was the, com that was the conversation. Yeah, I'm, sure it is. I'm sure it is. That's what right. I, uh, maybe let's reframe the conversation. <laughs> exactly. Right. But, but I, 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 I had this conversation every day when I was a Gartner analyst, right? Where it's like, okay, we're asking for money. What's your business case? Uh, better data. We improve our data quality. Yeah, okay. When, when you when you do that, how many dollars is it going to drive? Well, I can't do that. That's impossible. No, it's possible. Yeah, this, you can do it. Client last week, and they just wanted a clean data. They want to install the data fabric. But it's like for what? Right. For what? Yeah. You know? Well. You can, well, and and not to mention that there isn't a you know insert high level consulting organization company name here. <laughs> BCG, McKinsey, doesn't matter. There isn't a consultant worth their salt who would say you should drive strategy for the technology up. There isn't one that would say you need to drive, your business strategy should be determined by your technical architecture for data management. So the exact opposite, right? What they'll say is, oh, okay, well, you know, digital transformation, here's our business strategy and here's our operating model uh, and what's the technology in order to, needed to, to enable that. And if it's a data fabric, fantastic. Fantastic. But what I see is the exact opposite. What I see is, oh, we, this fabric thing, it, it kind of aligns to how we do business more. I actually see it more in the mesh, right? Cause the, the, the data mesh is this, this notion of kind of decentralized data management. And, 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 and what I, what I think is happening out there is data and analytics leaders see they're having a hard time with governance. They've fumbled on MDM. They're kind of, they're kind of, you know, they're not driving a ton of value to the organization. What they see is, oh man, I can't control the flow of garbage in. I can only do the pipes. I can't do the water. The, the water is bad because we're highly decentralized. Oh, we're highly decentralized. Our business units can do anything they want and I can't tell them to do otherwise. Aha, data mesh. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. That's it. That's the answer. It's the data mesh. When my architecture reflects my business model, things will be good. That may be true, but ask the question of, okay, is that really the business model? So, so many of the, the, the CIOs uh, that I was talking to, it's not actually the business model. That, that, that decentralization was a result of, of, of dysfunction within the organization, it was a lack of governance, it was a lack of leadership, it was a lack of something else. But so many companies that I talk to right now are running towards fabrics and mesh because they think those architectures better reflect the strategy of the business without asking the question first of what is the strategy of the business? What is the operating model that reflects that strategy? What's the technology architecture to reflect the operating model that reflects the strategy? Anyway. No, I think it's a point. good explanation. No, I do get your point and I appreciate it. Um, I say that a lot on this podcast and I, sometimes I feel like, you know, that's, it's kind of silly to even say that. You start yeah. with strategy, you start with outcomes, but yes. I'd say 95% of the business doesn't do it. I don't know. It starts from Bingo. the IT solution on up, which never, I think it's, you know, those kind of projects start, but they fizzle out or they don't get the funding for all the reasons we're talking about. And so I don't want to get involved in something that I know is not going to be successful or we don't have a success criteria defined. It's a year. Generally what I've seen, it's about a year. Right, because that's that's the budget cycles are tied on, on annual cycles, and you'll get a money for a year, and then the next year comes around, and then everything fizzles out. Functionally, that, probably more about six months, because if you're trying to do governance, um, and the only way that you're getting engagement from the business is through a top-down edict, 
Yeah, you're 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 dead in the water. Forget Not about only it. that, but you've actually made it worse. I think you've created oh, oh yes, animosity. You, you've created animosity. You've you've dragged out these business stakeholders that would rather be doing anything other than talking about data governance policies, yes. right? And so, yeah, you you need to find a way to have the data you know business leaders pull uh, MDM. You can't and data management and data governance and data quality. You cannot push it. Hard stop. You can't. Hundred percent. Hey, is there any questions I didn't ask that you wish I would have? We no. hit a lot. No, we, we we did we did touch on a lot. I've I've enjoyed the conversation thoroughly. Yeah, thank you so much, Malcolm, for being here. Hey, what do you do for fun? Uh, I'm a hobbyist photographer. Oh, really? So Where do you live I, take, I, I live on the beach in the east coast of Florida, a little place called Melbourne Beach, Florida. Nice. So you're yeah. on the beach all the time taking pictures. I, I am hugging the turtles and watching the rockets take off at Cape, Cape Canaveral. But uh, yeah, I love to take photos. So I'm uh, for anybody who's on Instagram, I'm, I'm photo hawker on Instagram. Nice. Any uh, literature or book you recommend right now? Anything that? You're oh my like, gosh. I'm three quarters of the way through this book called uh, The End of the World is Just the Beginning. It's a gentleman named Peter Zahan, Z-E-I-H-A-N. And it's all about drastic changes in demographics at a national level that, are, that will be causing fundamental shifts in the world economies um, over the next two decades. So, for example, um, he, he's talking about demographic changes in China that came as a result of the one-child policy where uh, the demographics in China are such that they cannot, there is no way possible, period, no way possible that they can maintain the growth that they've been experiencing over the last 20 years because there is not a consumer base to do it. So it, it's, they, it's very, it's, it's they fascinating. Have, they lifted the one child, so now they, they have more. It, but they, it's going to take decades and decades for them to catch up. So. Couple that with changes that are happening in the world around supply chain, the things that are happening around uh, rampant printing of, of, of money and, and quantitative uh, you know, craziness around the globe. Uh, couple all these things together. Some of the some of the, some of the views can be very dire. I'm not I sure. I, I, say, yeah. This doesn't sound like a too much of a positive read, but uh... well, so a, a, a positive for any of the American listeners out there. Um, at least through an American lens, right? Because, uh, well, I'm Canadian as well. I have two passports, separate issue. Um, uh, in the U.S., what you're going to see is onshoring of things like uh, IT and production and chip manufacturing, right? Mm -hmm. Where a lot of manufacturing is going to be moved back to the U.S. because the infrastructure is, is, will not be there in China. The funding will not be there. The money will not be there, right? And there, there's too many risks now that we've learned as a result of the pandemic through these global hyper interconnected supply chains that, you know, one ship gets plugged in the Suez Canal and the entire world goes nuts for two months. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, add in the pandemic, add, add in a lot of the, you know, uh, fiscal policies that have been in place for the last few years, add in these demographic changes. And what you're going to see is a lot more manufacturing return to the U S. What was the book again? Uh, the end of the world is just the beginning. Zayhan right. Z. Z E I H A N or right, Z I E. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Malcolm Hawker. Thank you for being here talking to us about MDM, giving us architecture, 
giving us a, a book to read. You've done it all today. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Al. I've enjoyed my time. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, team, podcast listeners, again, appreciate you being here. Hit us on Al Martin, talksdata at gmail.com. Until next time, we will see you on the podcast. Bye.